What's up, Surf Splendor Podcast listeners? This is David Lee Scales back with you for yet another week. Uh, thanks for tuning in. I'm going to keep this brief. I mean, you hear the same thing every week. SurfSplendorPodcast.com is where you go to listen or uh, or see all of the video and photos, links to news articles, everything that we discuss in this show, uh, playlists, all the music from every episode of the show. And then there's a comment section as well where you can leave a comment, chime in on this discussion. We always like to say that, you know, it's always me having a conversation with somebody in this show, but we'd like to extend the conversation, open it up out to you and uh, continue it for a lot longer than just this 60 to 90 minutes that exists on the internet. Let's keep it going. All right. So do that. Surfsplendorpodcast.com and then on social media at Surfsplendor. Rate and review, rate and review the show in iTunes or wherever you listen. That helps the show to grow. Like I said, you've heard it before, but there it is again. All right. Enjoy today's uh, episode of Surf News with Scott Bass. There's so much swell happening in the Pacific. So hopefully you live somewhere near it. Um, but if not, hopefully you're getting waves as well. All right. Enjoy the show. I'll be back at the end to sign us off. Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Rock and roll. Yeah, guy. Guns and Roses. Night Train. 1989. Driving from uh, Red Hill on Oahu to the North Shore every morning with this cassette in my car and my broken down VW Rabbit. What's a cassette? <laughs> a cassette. Uh, wow. Yeah, guy. Welcome, everybody. Downline Surf Talk Radio. Scott Bass, David Lee Scales with you here talking surf news. And Guns N' Roses. And Guns N' Roses, which, what, by the way, they've there's a solid rumor that they've all reunited as the original band, the original members, and they're coming out on tour. They're going to play Coachella, right? Really? Okay. That's well, what yeah. I heard. Okay, yeah. Coachella. Guns I thought that's Roses. what inspired your music choice. No, I just randomly pulled it up, and... Um, and then I remembered that, yeah, yeah I, I read that they're coming back. Guns N' Roses. I saw Ice Cube also acknowledge that NWA might reunite for Coachella as well. That's so not going to happen. Lots of big acts from my childhood showing up at Coachella this Is year. Is it Easy dead? Well, all but Easy e They're going to hologram him in, I think. Nice. You know? <laughs> so, so, dude. Yes, a lot going on. Dare, dare we What's say. What's the date? You call it. January 19th, 2016. Broadcasting from the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center conference room slash library. Surfingheritage.org, I believe, is their website. If you listeners want to check that out, the Smithsonian of surfing, as it's known. Yes. Proud to be here. Yes. Uh, man, so buzzword, most overused word in the news this past couple, I don't know, month or so. Do you want to start off the show? El Nino? El Nino! El Nino is here, David. The Nino. 
The North Pacific, the North Pacific, excuse me, is active. The jet stream funneling 180 mile per hour winds at 30,000 feet, which of course produces and steers lower level low pressure systems, Dave, which create large areas of strong wind fetch, which in turn creates large deep long period swells, which arrive at our beaches as big ass waves. I'm all about the wind fetch, dude. There's more science, of course, including the Madden-Julian oscillation, the Southern Oscillation Index Kelvin waves, which produce large pools of warm water, westerly wind anomalies. I could go on and on. Suffice to say, it means big, powerful waves for Hawaii and the entire western seaboard of the continental Americas. So often it's speculated that it's going to happen. We've been seeing it happen. It's in full effect. Oh, you should also see the storm that's sending waves to the east coast of Australia and Fiji right now, Tropical Storm Victor. Uh, very, very powerful swell energy and action moving towards the Gold Coast. So is Victor El Nino as well? It is. It's all El Nino, Pacific Ocean-based. Wow. Overwhelming. Yeah. yeah well, man. that's it for our show today, folks. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to cut it short because we're going surfing. Yeah, we'll be back uh, in April, I think, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty surfed out, i got to admit. Well, dude. Seriously, uh, California, I mean, if anybody watches or looks at Surfline or anything like that, there's been multiple features of California. A lot of Scott's local breaks, a lot of my local breaks up in Orange County, um, kind of all time, all the way through, I mean, everywhere. Yeah, the Huntington Pier, the south side of Huntington Pier. I saw some incredible tubes. Jeez Louise. Well, Resvin, our mutual buddy who's been on this show before, um, got the waves, not only of the session, but possibly of the winter. Uh, I mean, people are saying it's the best barrel they've seen at Huntington in years. One particular um, left that he got kind of going into the pier on South Side. But that day, it was breaking out almost all the way to Ruby's. Just massive. Wasn't even worth paddling out. There was only a, him, Ryan Turner, a couple of guys that made the paddle out. Um, but there are other spots within an hour or 30 minutes that were actually really, really good. You mean north of there? Maybe. <laughs> Spots Starts that were with not- an S, ends with an H? Well, dude. <laughs> hey, yeah. So people <laughs> used to have some sort of discretion in naming places. There's it's, been a lot of so that lately. Gone. I know. I've, been, I've seen a lot of um, angst online about why do you have to name the spot? I'm sort of in agreement with that. There's no need yeah. to name the spot. If you know where it is, you know where it is. And right. if you don't, then you need to go learn, but we're not going to spoon feed it to you. That's part of the culture, learning about these things, driving around, figuring it out. Well, even the photographers that used to shoot that sp- that spot would keep details out of the photos you don't shoot right. it wide where you can see what the pier looks like you right. know right um but yeah there's nothing of, of course there. the other argument is dude there's nothing that's secret it's the year 2016 but you know i would argue look there's a whole generation of new people that are coming up that don't necessarily need to be spoon-fed the info they can learn it the way we learned it through you know oral history that you know however it gets handed down in parking lots and whatnot yeah. and um i think that you know, it's it's we're doing people a favor if they learn about it on their own rather than going, I, hey, here's the GPS coordinates. Go get them. I completely agree. So Rez, back to Rezzy, yes. um, he surfed south side that day where I think the swell was like 10 to 14 feet or something like that. Too big to paddle out. There's sweeping current in Huntington Beach because it's just vast wide openness. Um, but, man, he fought the current plugged into like the best left of the day and got properly drained on a well overhead wave. Very, very deep. It was one of those ways where he thought, okay, he's not making it. And all of a sudden, boom. 
Yeah. Whereas he popped out. And it was only from the pier angle, a guy on the pier shooting kind of down, and so it compresses the height of the wave. You can't really tell how big that wave is, but I mean, that thing was... Legit. I'd say it was probably double overhead. Yeah. I mean, it was it was proper. Yeah. So shout out to Rezzy. Yeah. Yeah. Tom. Yeah. What okay. about you? What were the magic sessions happening around here? Um, You know, just random and various morning and afternoon sessions where... The waves were fun, and we caught them. That's as good as it gets. That's <laughs> as mean, good no, as it gets. Uh, first, I don't want to brag about myself, because God forbid if we get started there. And secondly, there's not much to brag about. I'm like 50 years old. If I catch the wave and go straight and kick out, it's a success. Do, don't you feel, though, like on big swells like this, it benefits you as kind of the older, more experienced surfer? than anybody else in the lineup. I found that just as I'm getting older where it's like, I don't mind. Firstly, I don't mind getting worked as much. I don't get scared by it maybe is what it is. But also, I think that I can kind of deftly navigate through duck dives and currents better than I could before. Like, Because I'll see young guys who surf better than I do just getting swept down the beach and not being able to get the set waves like I can get. And... I'm looking at them going, looks like they're more skilled than I am. Looks like more they're, they're more experienced, but they're not, you know? Yeah, and the other thing I think is um, the concept of a step-up board for a lot of guys is, you know, I'm going from my 5.9 to a 6.2 or a 6.4. Yeah. And you know what? When we're talking El Nino swells, we're talking tons of power, a lot of long period energy, which is yeah. thick and powerful and moving fast. And frankly... I need more board than that. And yeah. and because of that I'm moving around in the lineup, you know, with you know a little bit more um foot speed so to speak and and catching waves because I've got a lot of foam under me. Totally. Yeah. No, I I'm a big fan actually of bigger waves now. Um by the way, one so El Nino swell around the Pacific, we had um a couple of things that we will get into in detail in the show, but I'll just tease them right now. Toto's event Jaws event, Waimea, lots of the North Shore uh, in Hawaii was pumping. All of that in addition to what we just talked about in California. Um, I'll tell you, let me give you a quick story to start. The best wave that I've seen all winter long, I feel like, flew completely under the radar. I'll try to pull it up right now, actually, and show it to you. Um, this guy, his name's Kiahi D. Aboritz, I think is how you pronounce his name. He's Australian. This wave of the winter, look at this thing. Back door, takes off late, knifes into this thing. How nuts is that? Yes. Did you see that wave? No. This is a no-name guy, no sponsors from Australia. He's out at back door on like a 10-foot day that was a little bit low tide and woolly, so there wasn't a lot of guys out. He said only Kaimana Henry was out there among the normal crew. But he lucked into not only the wave of the day, but I'm claiming wave of the winter right there. It's it's a contender in Surfline's wave of the winter contest, in fact. But I mean, that thing's as legit as it gets. Yeah. Is first of all, that's an incredible backdoor ride. Uh, is wave of the winter only on the North Shore of Oahu? Good question. I don't because know. that's not the wave of the winter. <laughs> that's oh, if it's, that's a good if point. It's the entire Pacific Ocean, that's or a I don't, good point. I don't know. You know. But, yeah, I don't know actually. Well, let's let's. Um, Let's shift focus here to the, another island, the island of Maui. Let's. Where uh, I'm claiming we had a paradigm shift 
on Friday, January 15th. I'm calling it the Piahi Paradigm Shift. Couldn't agree more. Look, the Piahi Big Wave World Tour um, set a major precedent, David, a few weeks back. A big wave performance was shattered, and um, Billy Kemper um, foremost amongst those that were doing that. And that day went down in history and will go down in history as a day that things change. But last Friday, January 15th, the Paddling Day at Piahi on Maui took that precedent and shattered it. An entirely new paradigm, a new model, David, of big wave performance surfing was set. We had Ian Walsh carving under the lip and stalling and, and semi-snapping under the barrel at Piahi. We had Shane Doran driving through these caverns and pulling into closeouts. Granted, Greg Long did that. That one you showed was unreal. Yeah. that oh, I think you Instagrammed it, maybe? I may have Instagrammed yeah, it. Yeah, he rolls in kind of deep, and then it hits the inside shelf as if it's... I mean, it looked like a small, perfect wave. You know, like, uh, I've never seen a big wave that perfect, basically, is what I mean. Yeah, backdooring that section. Yeah. Incredible. And um, plenty of other groundbreaking performances out there, due mainly to... The prime angle, the direction of that swell, was set up nicely on the Piahi Reef versus the uh, Big Wave World Tour event, which had some west in it, which yeah. has made them kind of um, a little sketchy. Sketchy, and of course, uh, not to be lost in any of this is Aaron Gold catching the biggest wave ever paddled into, certainly in Hawaii, maybe the world, bigger than Parsons or Greg Long at Cortez Banks. Regardless if it was the biggest one or not, Piahi, not Naziri. Not, how do you oh, pronounce geez. it? Nazare? Nazare? Okay, Piahi, not Nazare, not Waimea, not Todos, not Mavericks. After this day, Piahi made one thing perfectly clear to all as if it wasn't already. Piahi is the center of big wave paddling performance surfing, carving under the lip, uh, stalling, getting spit out of tubes, re- uh, tubes, record-breaking, knee-buckling drops, horrendous wipeouts, this massive, deep, powerful, enticing blue-water Polynesia. Piahi stands alone, and these top guys, Walsh, Dorian, and all, at all were on a different level. No question about it. It looks... I mean, that was the day of days. You're not the only one claiming it. Everybody's claiming it. Kelly well, Slater... Yeah, former CT or Luke Egan. I don't know if you saw this quote, but no. he said, I thought the Piahi challenge was crazy, but yesterday when Aaron Gold caught that wave, it took the cake. What is next? Who is going to design a surfboard to paddle into these monsters as well as start doing turns? I don't have the, the answers for that design, but I'll tell you what. Someone's going to work it out and blow minds. So that made me think, you know, what I think is going to happen here is we're going to go full circle back to toe-in being sort of in vogue again, maybe in two or three years. Because now that these guys have really kind of tackled the challenge of can we paddle in at Piahi, and they've proven that they can, and they're doing performance maneuvers under the lip at Piahi, really the next step for these guys in their own brains is, look, we've done it. Now let's get back on the ski and and get really crazy because towing in there as far as performance surfing is really where it's at. And Laird did it 10, 15 years ago. And um, and they've all sort of put down the tow rope and they said, hey, you know what? Let's honor the paddle in. And I think that, you know, after five years of honoring the paddle in, which it may take, I don't know what the time frame is, but at some point all of these guys are going to be like, it might be cool to tow again. And, mm-hmm. and like all things, it'll be cyclical and we might come back to the tow in. And we might see... A different. It might go about um, 
there there might be a filter because the problem with towing is everyone can do it you and me can go yeah let's go right grab a rope and hope somebody saves me when i fall and that's wrong and that was part of the problem and that sort of was behind a hey let's push the paddling because paddling takes balls yep and um so i think there will probably be some sort of for it to really for it to be done correctly there needs to be some sort of filter um, somehow the Maui guys, the Albi Layers and Billy Kempers and Dorian and all these guys, Ian Walsh and Laird and, and, and Dave Kalama, these guys all need to figure out a way to corral the community and allow for towing to happen, but it can't be the crazy train like it, like it once was. Yeah, and what you're talking about in terms of performance on tow versus paddle is the size of the surfboards. Like exactly. smaller surfboards are more maneuverable and that's, but you need that added length and foam to paddle into waves. And so without the need to paddle, you can ride smaller boards and make them more maneuverable. And the quote from Luke Egan was, hey, somebody's going to design a board that they can paddle into right. these waves and then do the stuff that they were doing. Yeah. Now, there's some interesting stuff out there. Um, but at the end of the day, like Aaron Gold caught this 80-foot-plus wave, right? Well, he had to drop in all the way to the flats to – to be able to set his fins and set his rail to do his bottom turn. Well, by that time, the wave had run off without him, right. and he got annihilated. But it was a massive, massive paddling, and it's a, it's a glorious photograph, and it's just incredible. So can we get to a place where Aaron Gold can catch that wave but turn mid-face and snap under the, under the hook and drive you know through the pocket and make the wave, basically? And I don't know if that can be done. I don't know if they can create yeah. paddling boards that also give you the – the performance levels that a tow and surfboard would give you. Yeah, and uh, I'll comment on that, but I will say about that wave that Aaron caught, which I agree is the biggest wave I've ever seen paddled into, um, it looks like Aaron could have taken maybe a separate, a different line and have made the wave a little bit more. Like, because he dropped straight down and he wasn't quite knifing it. I don't think he could do what you're talking about in like bottom turn mid face, but. Like sh- some of Dorian's waves. Yeah, and maybe not the, even. Yeah, some he was waves, angling. Yes. Dorian was angling. and yeah, Angling in, and also Albi does that, too. Albi sits on that inside bowl that Dorian got barreled on that we were yeah. talking about. He actually sits on that bowl and takes off on the angle and gets shacked and comes out. That's like his thing there. And when in the event, in the Piahi Challenge... The judges the day before said that they weren't going to score that. They're and like, they shouldn't. Big wave surfing like, is about yeah, the biggest you got to take off out the back yeah, and yeah. then pull into that section. Yeah. And Albie still ended up getting scores doing what he was doing, waiting on the ball. But from what I could see, and again, not to, I don't want to take anything away from Aaron's wave. It's incredible. But when I watched it, I did kind of notice that one little detail was like, he went straight. And then the wave started like hitting that bowl and shifting, and he wasn't quite to the bottom where he could set a line yet. At that point, the avalanche was already behind him, and it was too late. Whereas had he picked the knife line, the knifed-in line from the get-go, there might have been a little bit more room, you know, a little more push. Uh, Again, I think what Luke's trying to state is... Yeah, it's a board design is, thing. Yeah, it's just a board design yeah, thing. Yeah, I agree you know, completely. Like, you know, is Aaron Gold Albie Lair? Is Aaron Gold as good as Shane Dorian? I don't know. Um, but Not the fact of the matter is yeah. he, he caught, he's got the balls to catch that wave, and and it's pretty incredible, right? So now can we get a board under his feet or under anyone's feet so that they can all catch that wave, so that Albie Lair can catch that wave out there on a 7.6 and do the type of surfing that 
you know, we might expect to see from a tow board or a smaller board. It is um, among all the areas of surfboard design. That is the one area that has the hugest room for potential, I would say. Well, I was just at Surf Expo in Orlando and um, Darren Handley has this new foam that he's calling epoxy core. And the idea with epoxy core is the center of the board is this more floaty epoxy foam. And on the rails, on the outside, the perimeter of the board is standard PU. There's more to it than that, but for the listeners, that's basically it. So the idea is we've got more buoyancy in the middle so we can get an extra maybe 5% of paddling power, but we have the PU foam to set the rail and to keep the rail buried through the turn so it doesn't get all you know buoyant and poppy like a, like an epoxy foam tends to do. It gets a little pluggy, you know? Yeah. So there, you're right. Well, you're absolutely right. There's well, so much room for for growth there and there's fin design and there's bottom contours quite frankly and totally there's stuff that they they could like look at george greeno designs and yeah. adapt stuff and you know who knows right i, I feel a, a moral obligation to our listener base to actually define the terms a little bit because i think dhd has done a little disservice with the branding of that he's calling it epoxy core the core is actually EPS. Right. It's not epoxy. No, you're right. Epoxy is right. a resin. Right. The EPS is the type of foam. Yeah, extruded polystyrene. And so when I saw that, I was like, when I saw epoxy core, I was like, what is he doing? That's really going to be interesting. And then I looked into it and I'm like, no, it's an EPS core. But I think they're using epoxy resin to, to, to laminate the, the boards. Right. Yeah. But, but yeah, the right. term, right, says, core, right. like it's a, it's doing a disservice to the community yeah. that's already underinformed, trying to understand all of this no, lingo. Right. You know what I you're mean? Right. Um, so anyway, uh, by the way, side note: Aaron Gold shapes his own surfboards. Cool. How about that? Guy's he's just like a backyard builder. The guy has no sponsors. He's just a backyard builder building his own boards on the North Shore, making ends meet. I think he runs a construction company, and he. I think he's been invited to the Eddie in the past, so like he's a pretty well. Oh, he's very well established. Yeah, he's a well established charger. Oh yeah, and I think the very next day or two days that was on a Friday in Jaw at Jaws. That Sunday he was at Toto Santos yeah. watching that event too. So he's definitely in the loop. But to you and I, I mean, I've never heard his name before, really. Had well, you? I you know I have, and I, but I don't know how much money they give for the largest paddling wave, but. That's got to be the hands down favorite, and Jeez. he's got to be looking at it like, "Hey, I'm going to get a payday in the springtime here when the WSL does their Double XL awards or whatever they call it now, Big Wave Awards." Yeah, I'm a, you know, I'm an instant fan. They used to do a thousand dollars a foot. So yeah, somebody's getting a check for eighty five thousand dollars. Yeah. Well, so that relating to the first. And by thing- the way, the eighty plus feet number came from um, not from me, but from Tom Carroll. Tom Carroll. Three-time world champion, legendary charger, big wave surfer in his own right. Um, I got that number from Tom Carroll, eighty plus okay. feet. So, um, by the way, the first story that I mentioned, the guy, the Kiahi, the Australian surfer, getting that barrel at back door, and now this one. I love that two no-name guys with no sponsors are making the biggest waves or the biggest headlines out of this swell, you know, or this run of swells. I think that's radical. I who should be making the headlines? Like, well, who are the always, guys that are sponsored that you're like, why is he sponsored? <laughs> I, I well, there's a few. There's a few, but I'm what I'm thrilled with with these guys is you and I say Kelly Slater and John John Florence so many times right. throughout the course of the year. Yeah. Like, who cares anymore? You know what? I mean, there's a whole host of guys that are absolute chargers at each and every spot. And, yeah, and you totally. know, that, that that don't get and quite frankly don't look for. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's a handful of guys at every spot that are 
that are super red hot chargers. And I don't know if they're going to surf eighty foot piahi or not, but. But, that, but every spot has those guys, and you're right. It is neat that they get some recognition. We used to have a, a segment on at Surfer Magazine called People Who Surf, and we, it was literally like we'd sit in edit meetings and go, you know what? There's so many guys that rip that aren't getting – Yeah. Uh, they're just due. Let's do a thing called People Who Surf. You know, here's this guy that has been ripping forever, and he owns his own construction company. And there was a bunch of guys like that, you know, or guys that are like, you know, heart surgeons that charge totos or whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah, so, yeah. There are a lot of guys like that, and it's neat that they get um, some credit. It's kind of my favorite story, dude. You know? I love it. The everyman. The everyman. I mean, Adriano de Souza. <laughs> well, but but the the great thing about the everyman is, like, with the Aaron Gold thing, he didn't just show up and luck into the best wave. The guy's put oh, in no, his yards sure. oh, out no. there. Nobody lucks into the best wave of Piaje. You no. put in years and years and years and years of time. Totally. So he's he's definitely paid his dues and, like, those in the know know who he is, you know, and finally he's getting some credit for all that hard work. Can you imagine what he went through at the bottom of that wave? When that thing exploded on him, like the amount of oxygen just to get into the wave, he's already huffing and puffing and you yeah. know, going. And then, you know, you catch the thing and you're chundering down this massive. I mean, it was literally a mountain, you know, a, a ski run. Yeah. And uh, to be at the bottom and then have that thing detonate on you. And gosh, how much oxygen do you have left in your lungs? What's going through your head? You know, a bunch of stuff. Oh, my God, I just caught this huge wave. Now I'm about to die. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, well, funny you should ask that question. Surfermag.com did an interview with him, and they said, how was the beating? And he said, it wasn't that bad, really. Okay, wait, wait, wait a minute. It wasn't a walk in the park, but it wasn't that bad. I got washed in about 100 yards, and then the water patrol came to get me. I gave them the okay sign, and I took a few more on the head. I didn't want them to have to come lift me when there was somebody else who was going to really need saving. All those sets rolled in over me. I got washed pretty much all the way to the rocks. So it took a while to paddle back out. But when I did, a lot of people were cheering me in the lineup, saying it was one of the biggest waves ever paddled at Jaws. Oh, yeah. So. Well, cool. As you and I know, sometimes like the worst-looking wipeouts are not bad at all. And then the lamest little ones are the ones that ring your bell. You know? Who did the, the Q&A for Surfer? Was it Jeff Mall? I just closed it. I'm okay. not sure. I'll, I'll access it oh, while you're talking. Matter. Just wanted to give whoever did it credit for hunting yeah. that down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Big Wave World Tour, Toto Santos Island, off of Mexico. Uh, the World Surf League held uh, an event right yep. here off of the uh, islands, off of Ensenada. It was Jeff Mole, by the way. Yeah, Jeff. He does a good job. He lives over there. Uh, look, this Big Wave World Tour on Toto Santos Island, quite a production feat. It's from what I gathered from watching it and listening and seeing the Instagrams. I believe they helicoptered all of the production equipment onto the island. Okay. Because I kept thinking, oh, they're going to boat onto that island, which is a nightmare. Yeah. Like there's a little gap between two islands where the boats run between. And on a big swell, that gap is not a fun place to be. It's like yeah. where all the energy kind of – there's a lot of sloshing going around, especially at high tide. So they must have helicoptered in because I saw Instagrams that Joe Tur- Turpel or Ross Williams – uh, Instagrammed from a helicopter. So I'm sure the rest of the production equipment came in that way. So logistically challenging, my my hat's off to the WSL for pulling that off. The waves were, I would suggest to you, they were like 12 to 18 feet with plus sets. Um, Todos, I don't know if you've surfed there. It's a big, no, hairy, boily uh, drop. And there's a lot to deal with on the drop. And then it's basically a race to the corner where there's a deep water channel that makes the wave go flat really quick. This is a challenging wave. Um, it's not a very fan-friendly wave. It's just kind of boring. Coming off of Piahi two days pre- total letdown. previous, it's, it's yeah. total letdown. And it's unfortunate. Um, 
I'm not taking anything away from the contestants or the WSL. I mean, they, they did what they did, and it is what it is. But it sort of goes back to what I said earlier, that if anything, the Piahi, and we talked about this last week or the week before, the show before, Piahi was such a success that now all the other big wave world tour events are going to be hard to, yeah. to to get to that mark, to reach that, that high watermark that was made. Well, to be honest, I like totos for those other reasons i don't need to watch it all day long like i did with the piahi challenge so that's really the concern that the ws wsl should have i was engaged throughout the entire day at the piahi challenge the totos thing i'd rather watch the recaps of but what i do like about it is that it's wild and woolly like it doesn't look like an easy wave to surf i could tell from you know the get-go that these guys are are struggling especially to, that day you know with yeah. a little bit of wind chop on the face but yeah even on the glassiest days it's got boils yeah. and ledges and little you know ribs up the face and um and then you're you're basically constantly you're you're challenged by a lot of times there's a little west shoulder that crunches down on you it's actually holds you down really heavy there because it's so close to the rocks it's it's almost like a um, shallow water big wave spot because okay. it just it gets deep and gets real shallow real quick. It's not like, although Mavericks and Piahi, you get to the boulders pretty damn quick too, but it really is right next to some major danger. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free that's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free terms and conditions apply well the other elements that i saw so power factors through the roof Go ahead. the other elements that i thought were actually good for garnering mainstream interest is that the big and wild and woolly thing but also those rocks look so intimidating you know and they're so close to the wave that that makes for a really interesting um, I don't know, dramatic scenario. People's boards were crashing into the rocks. Leashes break. You watch the board roll up. So that was cool. There's whales breaching out the back and they've got the helicopter getting aerial shots of the whales. So if they, you know, can package that into a 30 yeah, minute. came for the surf, stayed for the whales. Is that what you did? <laughs> but if you package that as a media outlet into a 30 minute thing that then ends up on NBC, it makes for compelling viewing. I absolutely agree with that. I mean, this is a home, all of these big wave events are going to be a home run for the com 
you know the the yeah. post production NBC production the NBC shows yeah totally. like these are perfect the WSL is loving these totally because way more mom and pa's in Iowa are going to watch this than they're going to watch two foot snapper or yeah well so we should mention Josh Kerr won the event. Yes, I wanted to get to that. And he Jump. deserves all the kudos in the world. And all the guys that were in the final, all the competitors, they it's a tough spot to surf. I'm just suggesting to you that from a fan's perspective, it's a letdown. It was hard to watch. It was inconsistent. Yeah. And it just wasn't what we've been seeing on a daily basis the past three weeks. Right. So um, do you have the rankings? Uh, Josh final? Kerr, Greg Long. Carlos um, Burley. Carlos. Damian Hobgood. Damian Hobgood, which... You- Go ahead. Rusty Long. Nick, Nick Lamb Nick and Rusty Lamb. Long. So this brings up another thing which you and I have talked about, which is, you know, wh- what does it say about the Big Wave World Tour surfers that when two WCT surfers, Damien Hobgood and Josh Kerr, just show up and make the final? Yeah. And this has happened in the past. And I've I've said as much that... Look, you get big. You get WCT surfers that are chargers like Josh and like the Hobgood brothers and a bunch of other guys. I would say you know nine out of ten guys on the CT are will charge big waves. Right. Um, you get you add to that their competitive savvy. Yeah. And their uh, the fact that they're honed that they've been doing this recently for the past four or five years. That, like they're into the competition side of it. It makes you wonder as soon as there's enough money in the big wave world tour how many of those guys can just jump ship and go over there right i mean we even saw it with um patrick godowskis yep he won a big wave world he just showed up wct guy yeah i don't know i borrowed a 10-6 and won the event you know and um so you know that'll be interesting to see how many wcters can it, it sort of reminds me of the old longboard tour where it's like after you were done with the shortboard part of the tour you got on the longboard part of the tour, like Ted Robinson, for mm-hmm. instance, and Jimmy Hogan, and you did really well. Yeah. And you, you know, you kept your career alive. And I think there's going to be a lot of CT guys that, especially as I think more money is going to funnel into the big wave side of this thing, right? that we're going to see a lot more CTers go, I'm a charger. And, and I'm sure that you could name a couple of guys right now on the CT that are on the fringe that could just jump over to the big wave world tour and, and be a force. Yeah, well, um, we've mentioned the concept in the past of incorporating a big wave world, big wave spot onto the CT schedule. Absolutely. Which I think would be incredible. Absolutely. I mean, that would really separate the men from the boys, you know? And it used to be that way. Yeah. I mean, they would hold the Billabong event, I mean, wherever, but there were times when Waimea was the spot. Yeah. until Until it died down enough that you moved to Sunset. Right. And there were guys that dropped off tour because of it. Yep. There was Australian guys that were like, you know what? I'm out. I didn't show up. Like Gary Green didn't show up for his heat. And I don't blame him. I wouldn't have shown up for my heat. I'm not saying I'm that guy, but, you know, it's kind of like, look, if you're a pro surfer, if you're going to be the world champion, you have got to conquer uh, Waimea and and now bigger and better. Well, I remember, I I think it was the WSL even that published um, a statement saying that Kelly Slater was going to compete in the Totos event. And, uh, Obviously, he didn't end up. He ended up surfing Waimea that day. That was the Friday. And he surfed Piahi the and next the day. the very next day. Yeah, yeah, he surfed Piahi and Waimea. And, you know, my feeling is is that I don't know how many times. I, this may have been the first time that Kelly has paddle surfed Piahi. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know either. That's a good but question. I get the sense that Kelly's like, 
you know, he's a smart guy. And so he's like, let me get a feel for this. You know, I'm not going to go out on the biggest day and make a fool of myself. Let me get a feel for it. Understand the lineup, you know, a little bit of a smaller day, catch some bombs. And now I'm going to get more and more comfortable with, you know, moving into that next realm. I could see easily Kelly being one of these guys that, that, you know, um, sort of turns his career into the way Dorian has. Totally. Ian Walsh, where it's like, now I'm a big wave charger. I could Dorian you know I mean? is a perfect example yeah. of what he could do yeah. very well because I think he has an interest in it as I well. Do too. It's something That's all that it takes. he takes. Something he hasn't been able to explore for you know the majority of his career. And um, well, the surfing he did at Piahi on on probably a day that was half the size yeah. of this Big Friday, um, he was surfing. He had tons of Kelly Slater style. Like he was doing these really cool. I even put on my website, he looks, he's got style like Bruce Raymond. You know, he's got like this really cool big wave style going down. He was doing turns. Yeah, he's doing these cool cross, know. cross backed with a guy, you know, like cut yeah. back so the guy could go in front of him. Um, did you, by the way, I, I don't know if you've seen my new website, boardroomshow.com. No. But I have a brand new website. Listeners, go check out boardroomshow.com. That's where you're going to be able to get the down the line podcast. Of course, as well as uh, David's website, surfsplendorpodcast.com. But boardroomshow.com is now the one catch-all, at least for me, Good. for videos, for the downline podcast, for information about the upcoming boardroom show. Check it out, boardroomshow.com. Surf so, forecasts are on there now, too? There's some surf reports for San Diego County, and I'm getting, I'm working out the um, the coding of getting WaveWatch 3 forecasting maps oh. up on there and stuff. Wow. Yeah, you actually and, have to go to NOAA and apply to get the to get the programming okay. code and I've got the programming code they sent it to me and now I'm trying to decipher it all and figure out how it all works well the most important purpose for that website is to advertise the boardroom show itself right boardroom show coming up right. in May on yeah. Jerry Lopez let's not overlook it's that it's a showcase for the surfboard manufacturing industry including yeah. My good friends at U.S. Blanks. There you go. Speaking of boards and blanks, could you tell what Kelly was writing? To me, the board that he looked like he was writing at Jaws looked like Garrett McNamara's board. Have you seen yeah, with I, the Mercedes logo? The, it's a green board, Mercedes logo, and it has like a cork stringer, which was what was unique and why I remember it. Um, it looked like that's what Kelly was writing. Wouldn't surprise me. Okay, I'm sh- I, I don't know what he was writing. Um, I'd like if I don't know if you could dig into it. I just did some Instagram kind of poking around and could not verify that fact. I only was able to identify it in the video, but it wasn't quite close enough to like conclusively state it. But the board is so unique looking that it's the first time I've ever seen a board that looks like that. You know, yeah. And so I would assume that it is that. And I don't know that Kelly has a quiver of. Big wave boards like that. You know? Well, I got to see, speaking of Kelly's boards, I got to see Kelly's new line of surfboards at Surf Expo. Yeah, I'm curious. Wow, they were cool. Were they, they were really cool. The one that interests me the most is the Greg Weber, right? The, um, the, the banana. banana. Because, you know, basically what he's done is he's taken that sort of 1991 uber thin, uber rockered board that a bunch of people were riding back then that some people say, you know, Kelly sort of drove us down this dark alley of too much rocker and not enough foam and we stayed there for 10 years and it sort of you know held us back a little bit so sorry greg weber and kelly have gotten together and taken that concept but just toned down the rocker a little bit added some volume um, added like almost a little stinger tail like there's a wing about 16 or 18 inches up okay and it's a cool looking board because those bananaed rocker boards are kind of sexy looking. You know, there's just so much curve in the rocker, right? Yeah. And especially the, um, 
you know, the centerline rocker, it was cool looking, you know, like I could see, you know, and everything's, we're kind of going full circle now, you know, it's like, oh, maybe these wide flat things are no fun anymore. Or we're over them. Let's go back to Uber rocker, a little bit thinner. But, but of course, again, I, let me state that they've added a ton of foam to these boards and they've taken out a lot of rocker. So it's not the board that we rode in 91. It's the board now that we've developed in 2016. And it's a cool-looking board. I could see, you know, wanting to try it out. Just because with all that rocker, you're just like, wow, you know this thing turns, goes right up the wave face, you know? I don't know, dude. The thing looks scary to me. Like, I'm intimidated by it because it's a vestige of my youth that I'm not fond of, you know, <laughs> that potato chip elf. Shoe. There's a lot of like movement, moving of the arms to get up to speed, to try to do one turn and then lose all the speed. You know, you know, you've got to be able to connect your turns on a board with that much rocker or yeah. you end up losing speed. And uh, yeah, but like I said, this isn't that board. So yeah, I know it just looks similar. Scares it's me. It's sort of like when you, when you slice the ball in golf and you're just so afraid to slice yeah. it that you'll hook the shit and pull the crap out of it. So you're hitting exactly. it dead left all the time. Anything but a slice. Dude, I think that has so much to do with it. The the mental awareness of the aesthetics. I remember even, I would take it as far as sticker placement on the surfboard trips me out. Where, you know, one guy will have his Quicksilver sticker in the nose and Dane will have it kind of right where his chest is or whatever. And that makes the board's dimensions look different to me. Yeah. It's an optical illusion. You might try a tape measure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not stickering. If you really want to know, it's so, you know, like move beyond the sticker and just use a tape measure. Yeah, and I'm not actually stickering any of my boards, so it's not the boards that I'm writing. It's just when I'm visually assessing boards. Right. I noticed that it's an optical illusion based on little details like that. Um Well his the Tomo boards were really cool too. Like totally different. Just like night and day difference from what their you know the greg weber boards were so let's talk real quick the construction is firewire construction yes their kelly slater surfboards is the label but they're designed not by kelly his name's just on it so he's got somebody else's construction somebody else's design what's kelly's involvement kelly's as you know kelly's heavily involved in surfboard design so kelly instead of you know starting from square one goes to guys that are making great boards and goes, hey, here's what I've been doing with Al. Here's what I've been doing with Britt Merrick. Here's what I've been doing with whoever, Maurice Cole. Here's what, you know, here's what I'm doing with Greg. Now, Greg Weber, here's some neat stuff. Remember those Shane Herring boards? Let's see what we can do. Let's, those had moments. Like, I liked those boards. Let's, let's add some of the new to some of the old. You know, there's a lot of, like, mixing and melding of old concepts. Certainly, somebody has to design the plug, and so he's chosen... Um, Greg Weber for this one, but Kelly's heavily involved in it. I mean, Kelly can shape surfboards. Yeah. I don't know if, you know, I'm sure he's, I know he's planed boards from the, from the start, you know, and done it all the way through. Yeah. Um, We've but, seen over the years. Kelly, I, um, Kelly's design is, uh, you know, I don't hold any like, oh, he's just putting his name on it. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't throw do any of that BS on it. Like to me, Kelly is, very attuned to tuned surfboards. He, totally. He's into it, you know, like there is no doubt. And um, I think he knows what he wants. And I think he tells the guys that are making those plugs, this is what I'm looking for. And I think they've refined them and they've gone over them and they've changed them and they'll continue to change them. And I think it's exciting for Kelly. It's exciting for, for Greg Weber. It's exciting for Daniel Thompson. And it's exciting for whoever else 
quite frankly, Kelly's working with right now, you know, and if you're a shaper and Kelly's coming to you and he's going, I got some ideas, you know, I want to make a skimboard with three fins like Tom Curran, you're going, okay, let's make a skimboard. Absolutely. So, um, you know, it's not a case of he's just stamping KS on these boards and not putting any and as you know he's putting tons of energy into these designs and he's doing more r and you know. yeah it's doing all the r&d himself yeah. so there's three boards that were there right in orlando um the sci-fi yeah the omni and the banana so the sci-fi they're calling it the pocket rocket of the trio and then the the omni is what looks more similar to daniel thompson's other you know more yeah. more famous boards yeah uh but with a blunt nose and then the banana of course the greg weber um, here's the other thing. He was, Kelly was riding the banana in the pipe masters exactly. this year, largely. And yeah. it didn't look that great to me. No, it didn't look, there were some moments off the bottom. I remember on some lefts where it looked like, but I think he, he's willing to give that up for the action he gets in the pocket. He gets okay. so much of this kind of slip slidey, not the fin slip sliding. I just mean going rail to rail off of the fins. You know, I think he's willing to, uh, He'd rather turn on a dime and give up a little. He's such a good surfer that he can get away with a little sketchier bottom turn where you and I would probably, you know, spontaneously combust down in the flats. Right. He's able to to kind of bury his knees into it and get through the bottom turn. And once he's up and going up the wave face, I think he, from what I saw on the waves that he was riding, once he's in the mid face of the wave and in the ball of the wave, those bananas just go like this. You know, yeah. they're just like... Uh, like a board in the flow rider, you know? Right. Yeah. Interesting. Was there anything else interesting at that event that's worth discussing? Yeah, well, I've got my eyes on, um, you know, I interviewed Machado a couple, maybe last month sometime. And so I've got my eyes on the almond butter that Rob's got coming out in Firewire Technology, Firewire Construction. That's so, the model name? Yeah, the almond butter, which is basically a cool wide little tri-fin mm -hmm. that's flat. Yeah. You know, so just think of like a performance tri-fin, add some width to both the nose and the tail, still a pointy nose, yeah, but flatten out the rocker and add some double, uh, you know, some double barrel concave for speed. And you've got this really um, fast, also loose shortboard. Okay. Among Rob Machado designs versus Kelly's designs, what are you going to get first? I'm going to get the almond butter from Rob Machado because... Um, because I surf, Rob made that board for sort of kind of waves that I ride, you know, like Southern California, yeah, um, mixed bag, yeah, and um, literally the waves that you ride. I mean, yeah, he's riding the same waves you. I mean, the same surf spots that you are, right? So, um, okay, do you have more El Nino stuff? Or are we moving on? Well, um, yeah, a couple things. Okay. When are they going to run the Eddie? How come we're not even hearing any buzz about the Eddie? What's going on with the Eddie Icao event? You just, is it over? Is it done? Is it like you would at least think that, you know. Now, look, I get it. Like everyone's geeking out on the Piahi event. They all fly to Maui. So the guys at Quicksilver are like, well, let's just kind of like mums the word. Let's not even bring it up. But I think that's the problem. I would much rather have them say, hey, it could be an Eddie swell. But we're going to yield to the fact that the whole contingent of guys want to go over to Maui. And, oh, by the way, two days later, they're going to Totos. So out of respect for all of them, that's why you haven't heard anything from us. But the fact that we haven't heard anything from them kind of makes me go, yeah. oh, that's unfortunate. Like, are they, are they, is their marketing team on top of it? Now, I heard, have heard some stuff coming out of 
uh, Tom Carroll's Facebook and, and other stuff. And I think, interestingly, he seems to be sort of like the ambassador or voice for the Eddie this year. There's a lot of stuff that comes out of Tom Carroll's social media about the Eddie, and that's really all, the only place I hear about it. Mm. But well, I'm sure there are other places. I'm not saying I, I attuned into all of the possible outlets and distribution yeah. areas for Quicksilver's marketing department. But um, well, it turns out they're my. I'm not the only one that's questioning no. why there hasn't been discussion about the Eddie. The contest organizers are my coop this week, actually. Not to spoil, you know, what's the final topic for the show, but um, well, I've, yeah. I've said point blank, I, I don't think they'll ever run it again. I think it's right. just a marketing right. move. Well, if they ever were going to run it, this was the time. That Friday, well, the 15th, was the, the they, time to run it. They could so, run it in two days. So like, There's a massive El Nino swell hitting there in a couple of days. So here's the deal. You you said maybe they're just giving way because all this hype at Piahi and the Totos thing. No, 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 no. There's nothing more important than the Eddie. The Eddie is what steals the hype from everything else. And whenever the Eddie does run, there will always be piahi breaking at that same time too you know what i mean like those things go off at the same time so that's not it's a always going to be that way always, always gonna you're be never going to have eddie going one day and piahi flat the, the same right, day right so there is no good excuse now the only the only somewhat valid things that i read was that the swell over delivered like it wasn't forecasted to be that big and you don't think that's true? Well, I just I find that weak. Okay, I, I think that's a weak excuse. I think at the very least you're on yellow alert. Yeah, totally. And if it over delivers, it's on. Exactly, because they go on yellow alert when it's when it's forecasted to be ten to fifteen. You yeah. know, so um, yeah, it's a good question. I uh, yeah, and the, I'm looking the, at the. I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, I'm looking at the models right now. There is a a massive, you know, twenty five, twenty six. 30-foot swell on Thursday. This thir- this coming this week. Thursday in two days. And there's another one behind it that's more westerly angled for, you know, next Monday or Tuesday. So if it doesn't happen, we're really going to be suspicious because they already had one opportunity that they missed. Yeah. I and mean, that, that day, by the way, I heard people saying it was the biggest, best, cleanest Waimea they've seen in years. Mason Ho said it was the best he's ever seen it as an adult. You know, and he's standing on the cliff watching it, just tripping out. It was bad. It was big. His dad was injured and Mason was sick, so he couldn't surf it. But he said they were both standing there tripping. Like, these are perfect big wave gems. Light wind. It's amazing. It's like as good as it gets. guys were, John John Florence was out there. Guys out there. Yeah, they were all out there. And so you're going, hmm. So really suspicious or suspect, you know. And then the Titans of Mavericks. Yeah, I, I was really heard a about peep that. about the Titans of Mavericks. There was something on Surfline saying, "Hey, look, um, you know the way the jet streams lined up is that that portion of northern central California is getting a ton of weather with the swell, which is true, you know. So you're getting onshores and stuff, but you're still seeing um, some rides. You're seeing stuff Are on Surfline. Yeah, I, I remember a couple of days ago there was some stuff. I haven't looked, but it it didn't uh, get into my awareness. Now I don't doubt that those guys want to run that event. Yeah. I'm quite confident that the Titans of Mavericks guys, the um, cartel management, those guys are ready to pull the trigger. And I think they're going to pull the trigger. I mean, if you're ever going to pull the trigger, this is the year to pull the trigger. Like I said, there's two storms. You know, it's going to be 30 feet up at Mavericks Friday. Right. According to the, you know, the models. Let's just say it's 18 to 25. Okay, let's run it. Yeah. Let me ask you this. With the Eddie, 
okay, they've they've had the thing going for 31 years. They've only run the event eight times in those 31 years because they don't ever get a proper enough swell. Um, it hasn't run in six years since 2009. Greg Long was the guy that won it that year. What would your – if you had to create a conspiracy theory or if I forced you just to say what your conspiracy <laughs> theory is, um, what do you think that it might be for why they wouldn't want to run it? Well, I think that – they get a lot of um, hype or publicity. Yeah, yeah, they get a lot of um, traction. They get a lot. There's a lot of legs with not running it for eight years. Okay. You know, like each and every year they have the opening ceremonies, which, by the way, is, is a really sweet thing. It's a really cool thing. The ceremony, it really honors the ICAO family. It honors the big wave community. It's quite spiritual. Um, I think that everyone gets together and goes, wow, this is really special. And in some ways, the ceremony is almost enough. Yeah. And I think that you could almost say, you know what, we're not going to run the event every anymore, but we're just going to have the ceremony. and Because it turns into like a big like Hawaiian style family gathering where everybody from all sorts of, from all of the islands come together and they all pay homage to the iCow, to Eddie, to, um, to the big wave surfers that have come since then to the yeah. Peter Coles of the world, to all of these guys. And, you know, you could, if you're a Quicksilver marketing guy and you were in a meeting with them all, you could go, Hey, you know what? Why don't we just never do the contest again and just have this thing every year, yeah. which we have already, which is where we get most of our marketing doll, you know, and just sell Eddie iCow t-shirts and just sell Eddie would go stuff. And just that's it without you know? the expense of running the event and paying right contestants. And- no, I'm not saying that's what we should. That's what well, I would do. But I'm saying I could see them saying, why not? You know, but I see that Plus they're in bankruptcy. So they're I, kind of going. I see all that stuff as being kind of ancillary benefit or like collateral benefit that they get from it. But it can't exist without every once in a while getting this running a massively successful event. Well, here's and the this deal. is their opportunity. I look at it, too. You could you could look at it like this. If Eddie Icahn were alive today. And he was 25 years old in his prime. Let's say he, he was he was like 32 when he was in his prime at, at Waimea. Let's just say, um, where do you think Eddie would be surfing on these swells? Waimea. I bet he's in Maui. I bet oh. he's surfing Piahi. Oh, okay. And so my cons- what I'm saying is, let's move the Eddie oh, I to Piahi, where what Eddie stood for, which was charging like no other charger in the world, with just this gnarly big red board and this crazy wide stance and just yeah just you knew he was going to make it why not take that whole mojo and put it over to where what is now the premium the only the only big wave performance spot in the world all these other spots mavericks all of them guys aren't pulling in under the barrel and getting spit out they're trying to well everyone's trying to survive at all these spots but that wave is set up for for this next level where we're at, this new paradigm shift. And the, the Quicksilver, the Eddie, wouldn't it be neat? Yeah. And I know I'm stepping on a bunch of toes here. Big Wave World Tour, WSL, all the Maui hooey guys. You know, all of these guys are, would cringe if we yeah. mentioned this. There's so much politics to all this. But clean slate, perfect world, the Eddie would run at Piahi. By the way, Piahi, you've referred to it a lot as being a perfect performance Big Wave. But it is, it's like a barreling point break. That's massive. That's what it is. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't know if it's a point so much Almost. as it's, it's a reef. It, you know, it's, it's, it's a reef pass. There's like a... Yeah, but that's different than a point. Yeah, it Points is. Points No, I, I agree completely. Um, as opposed to just like one big collapsing, you know, big wave spot, essentially. Yeah. Um, it has a nice 
massive wall that you get. To, you, it's not just a drop. Yeah. Frankly, Mavericks, it does offer a couple of moments after the drop for sure. Yeah. And it's, and it's gnarly. I'm not saying it's, they're, they're all gnarly. What I'm saying is the level of performance big wave surfing that's going to take place where performances are pushed is at Piahi. Yep. Without a doubt. And the Eddie should go there. Boom. Well, Just- so uh, reference you referenced Dahui. Did you watch any of the Dahui backdoor shootout? You know, I watched a little of it. I, I actually like flipped it on and caught, um, I think, round one, heat one. Um, I didn't catch a whole lot of it. No. Okay. I tried to, but I didn't. I almost wasn't even going to bring it up, by the way, because I wanted, I tried to research it and it's so hard to find information about. And so I didn't want to just do a half assed job, but now the story is why can't I find information about it? So I watched, they, they, um, live stream it via their YouTube channel. I think they're called the Waterman's League is the YouTube channel. And so you could watch the event live throughout the day. And then, you know, the next day they'll post a recap from the previous day. But I watched the first three days, which were amazing. The waves are good. The commentary booth is amazing. They are so good. Like, the funniest guy. Like, they're stand-up comedians, essentially. Uh, <laughs> it's Kaipo Guerrero, and yeah. then he's got, like, another guy yeah, who yeah. comes and goes. Or a couple other guys that fill in. Those guys are great. They're They've been so doing good. it forever. And, and the, um, the one kid who was working with him was, like, he works down at the docks normally, you know? Yeah. Like, he doesn't... He's, but he surfs and he's, refreshing, he's huh? super funny. Yeah. It was really, really brilliant. But um, and then the contest format has some interesting differences in it. Like they gave an eleven point ride to Kaimana Henry, who got a sick backdoor pit. So they gave him an eleven on it instead of a ten. Um, <laughs> That's all time. And then Mason Ho instituted, or I think he suggested it. Let's do a um, like a mulligan heat where it's. Like, they weren't sure whether the conditions were going to be good enough to run. Well, rather than sitting on the beach and watching good waves come through, let's go out there, run the heat, and at the 15-minute mark, if we decide that it's actually not good enough to continue the event, we'll pull the plug on this heat. We start from scratch, so these surfers get to surf tomorrow in a brand-new heat. Unfortunately, the guy in first and second lose their scores, but we're deeming this as a mulligan heat before we even paddle out. We all agree to it. And let's do that, you know? Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, totally. I didn't see a downside to it. It worked out fine for them, you know? Um, so, I mean, well, if the, the guy- downside is if you're in first or second, you're going, yeah, it's totally contestable. And if you're in third or fourth, you're like, this is no good. Let's pull the plug. Look, if you're in first and second and you get two nines, they're not going to pull the plug. Right. The odds are you're in first and second with a six and a five. Right. So then, you know. Yeah. Um, but all those guys are in the, they're probably, their heart is at where they just want to surf good waves. And if it's going to be better tomorrow, they're probably fine with that too. So anyways, Dahui backdoor shootout. I don't know if it's over. I don't know if somebody won. That was the thing. Day three ran last week at the end of the week. And so I'm like, oh, well, they're, they'll probably finish it up over the weekend. I don't know if they've run out of their waiting period now. And if they did, are there just 16 winners at this point because they weren't able to narrow? Like, I don't know what happened. Hopefully, it's not over and they'll run a final day tomorrow or something like that. But the point is, I tried to research it and I couldn't even find out that info. So, Well, there was an event that finished, ran all the way through, and that was the queen of uh, our coast here in California, the Rincon Classic. Yeah. Which is a locals-only event put on by, um, I think his name's Chris. That surf happens, and it's a great event. It's a really cool event. I I was lucky enough one time to be in, uh, invited, and I got to surf in it. And shortboard? 
No, I was in the longboard. Oh, okay. And um, but you know, it, I sniveled my way in. It's really a locals only event. Yeah. Um, I think I got in because of media, or I I helped promote it on the radio show, and so he let me in. Cool. But um, point is, is that they got great waves. So it good. was pumping. So good. They had all the red hot Santa Barbara guys there, including Connor Coffin, who won the event. Who got, by the way, hats off to the WSL for giving him a uh, what's the word? a free, waiver, free pass, yeah. yeah, free pass to surf in this local event. That was very smart. And of course, Tom Curran. Um, uh, I'm sure Bobby Martinez was in it. Dane, all Dane, Dane Reynolds. Reynolds was in it. He's yeah. So um, and it's a great event with a bunch of different divisions and basically the whole town of Santa Barbara goes down there and surfs. And uh, you know, there's been years when it's been iffy and spotty surf wise, but this year they absolutely scored. So um, good stuff. Connor over Aaron Lambert, who got second. Dane got third. Timmy Curran got fourth. Which is pretty rad to see. Yeah. Did you see the footage of uh, Tom surfing on, on the that? skimboards? No, it wasn't even a skimboard this time. It was something totally different. No, I haven't seen it. I saw a picture of him doing a bottom turn on it. Okay, I got. I'll send you the video. Yeah. Uh, Schauber shot the video. Yeah, I want to see Schauber. Uh, he's riding like this super. It looks like a skimboard on the bottom, like flat bottom. Yeah. Tiny bit of rocker, but like no contour. But then the deck has contour. Like, it has these big bump rails on it. I don't know. It looks like what you would, um, I don't know, like a kneeboarder would ride behind a boat or something. Yeah. Remember kneeboards? It kind of looked like that on the deck of it. Yeah. It might have been it a modified like some, kneeboard. some George Greeno influence, you know, where it was almost like the edge board, but in reverse. Or it had, yeah. it had some of that velo, like, like um, rib and the rail. But the rib wasn't a con cave it was oh, a vex yeah. right yeah exactly. exactly which is like the velo had that okay. it had this yeah yeah just well, weird I, I as check it out. and then the fins that he had on the thing look like the fins that he has on his skimboard now that are like giant hatchet but yeah they're weird they're like old windsurfer okay. fins the way windsurf fins were for a while long, like narrow at the base long, and then, narrow then they yeah. get into this hatchet vibe yeah so he had that on that board and the board in length was four feet it just looked ridiculous, and 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 he surfed it, but it looked it was inhibiting his surfing times yeah. ten. You yeah. know, like he could barely. But I was watching He's forcing it, isn't it? But the way he was surfing it, I'm like, good God, guys! I would have spun out like on that bottom turn, easily would have spun out. You know, so he's. Well, I'm sure that um, that it was a fun day to watch all those guys go crazy. I know that uh, Ted and. And the Rincon Pit crew, I'm sure those guys were barbecuing up galore and and uh, probably barbecuing a few other things too. But uh, yeah, good stuff for the crew at Rincon. Awesome. Do you hopefully wanna, there's some video of that out there. Do you? There is. I'll post that stuff. Um, can I run down a list of some business details real quick in the world of surf business? Yeah. Um, GoPro. Has hit a rough patch, dude. I mean, GoPro, whose praises everybody was singing for such a long time. Their stock, including yours truly. Their stock, their sales, their labor force, all of it's taken a hit. Um, so yeah, I mean, their stock. I mean, at the highest was ninety eight bucks, almost hit triple digits. It's trading around ten right now. I'm a so buyer. <laughs> it opened at like thirty three, so it tripled, and then now it's. 33% essentially of and what it was. Why originally. is that? I mean, I think we discussed well, fourth, this, Well, right? fourth quarter sales were $100 million lower than expected last year. 
Um, they were still 435 million, but it's 100 million lower than they had anticipated. Um, they'll be cutting their workforce by 7%. Over the last two years, as things have grown, obviously they keep building, building, building and reinvesting. And now they're, you know, hitting the well, boiling they point. they in this place where they were trying to determine whether they were a hard goods company, a camera company, or a production company, a la Red Bull, right? Wasn't that what? Well, I think you and I were trying to determine that. Were they actually? Yeah, well, like, acknowledging it. <laughs> I think that there was some struggle on the board. And you know, I think there were some people going, wait a minute, we're a camera company. And there's other people going, dude, they're on to us. I, yeah. I people are going to be using their iPhone in about three years, doing what they're doing with a GoPro. You know, you're going right. to be sticking your iPhone on your helmet. Exactly. So we need to turn into something else. And I, I'm assuming a lot of this, but I think that there was some struggle on the board level about what direction we're going to take, strategic planning, yada, yada, yada. Well, here's some good news for the consumer, the listener. If you want anything to do with GoPro, uh, in addition to buying stock, uh, the GoPro 4 hit the market at $399. They realized that they were overpriced. They've reduced it 100 bucks since then, and then another 100 bucks. So it's down to $199 right now for the GoPro 4. 200 bucks for the GoPro 4. Which is pretty incredible, I would say. How do you feel if you bought it at 4? You're bumped. Well, that, again, (laughs) that, that would be a flaw in their original, you know original plan so that's that uh idolo ferrer is on billabong there's another news detail which i'm excited about obviously finished in the top 10 is for on his rookie year which we rarely see sophomore slump coming up you think so got a sponsor things are it was tough now it's easy bassy's calling it <laughs> here we sophomore go sophomore slump he's gonna find a girlfriend things are gonna change it's over. It's looking he'll good for Idolo. He'll be a free surfer on the Big Wave World Tour in five years. Fat contract, girlfriend, doesn't get better, dude. Who cares about surfing? Short-term, great. Long-term, not so great. Um, this is not a plug at all. or This isn't a uh, paid advertisement at all, but Creatures of Leisure, I just saw release this new uh, Surf Ears product. Do you wear earplugs when you surf, or have you ever? I used to surf with music. Oh, really? Yeah. I used to have... A, you like, told me that. And, That's right. And and for like probably Dude, a year and a half or two years, I would just have the Allman Brothers on. You're such a dork. And and yeah, no, and a helmet. <laughs> a visor? A, visor, helmet, earplugs, music. You had, just totally phased you out. Like if you paddle up to me, I'd be like... I can't hear you, dude. You had, Sorry. You had Gath specially make a visor helmet for you? No, they wouldn't. I didn't go that far. I just kind of Jimmy rigged it all together. That's funny, dude. Oh, yeah. Well, did you ever? But that doesn't block water from going into your ears. I mean, the purpose of an earplug is a little bit different. Yeah. But do you have a problem with your ears? I do. I can't yeah. hear crap. I know. it's Mine's <laughs> getting worse and worse. And every time I get sick, it amp- amplifies the problem. It's actually a big problem. So... um Anyways, this new product from Creatures of Leisure Surfers, I came across it. I'm going to invest in them and uh, see what it's all about because it looks pretty legit. Do you have Kook and Duke, any of that stuff? All right. My must-see moment, Mikey Wright's North Shore That's edit. cool. That's a cool edit. I've the seen The thing that. is rock and roll. Here's my dude. criticism of that. Uh, Not uh, much because go. he's going full bore 125%. It's insane. But there's he lands the first air. And then he p- puts a couple of other airs in the edit, and he cuts a yeah. wave before the land happens. And I, I argued with my son about this. I'm like, dude, in this day and age, if you don't land it, don't even show it. Because if 
Philippe Toledo's landing them. Exactly. I agree with that in philosophy. The one that I remember that they cut was a massive front sider right. that was like, eh, it was so big, maybe you let it in, you know? But if there no, was more you than don't. that. All right, all right, fair enough. Well, the backside one that he did was that nuts. That was sick, yeah. And the rail grab front side cutties he's doing oh, yeah, are the carbs, unreal. The carves and the speed that he's generating and the pure sort of animal aggro that he's... That's what you love. Yeah, there's a lot of animal going The on. guy is lanky, tall, super strong. He, he looks like Owen Wright, basically. Yeah. It, he's his brother. By the way, Mikey Wright. Oh, interesting. I yeah, that. yeah. Him. They're uh, threesome. Uh, Tyler, the sister. Owen's the oldest, and then Mikey's the youngest. And I'm just a huge fan of his surfing, dude. It's so rock and roll. He's got the hilarious mullet haircut. Um, big power turns. Looks like Matt Hoy. You know, that's very much what he's reminiscent of. And a lot of people say that because he's got the Billabong, or I mean, the uh, Quicksilver sticker. Anyways, in two weeks in Hawaii, put out a three minute edit that is. That outdoes Craig Anderson's 11-minute video that he put out. I don't know if you watched that. It's all good. People liked it. I'm saying it was fine. Craig Ando's thing was fine. I could discuss it at length. Mikey writes at it at three minutes is even better. Yeah, it's really, so, really fun. Really I'll post fun that must-see moment, surfsplendorpodcast.com. My kook of the week is, of course, the Yeti contest organizers, as we previously discussed. My duke, Corey Lopez, recently inducted into the East Coast Hall of Fame. Finished third on the WCT in 2001, the year that CJ won, um, won the U.S. Open, multiple magazine covers, countless video parts. He was one of the first uh, on that expedition that discovered the iconic, now iconic, Skeleton Bay, that reeling left barreling point break in Africa. Um, So, Corey, well-deserved Duke of the Week for his East Coast Hall of Fame induction. Yeah. Congrats to Corey. Great guy. Great human being. Um, wouldn't mind seeing his brother Shay as an announcer on the WSL. He does a great He's job. a great announcer, and great he brings job. opinion, which I think is, is we need that. So congrats to Corey. A great family. And, um, again, love to see Shay uh, find his way into the WSL announcing booth. Until next time. Uh, adios. Scales. Surfsplenderpodcast.com. Boardroomshow.com. Down the line, Surf Talk Radio. Yeah. Sounds is, good the show, is, is that the name of the show? Whatever. <laughs> ok, until next time, adios and aloha. Agora eu vou Você deu mole, então eu marco gol Zero a zero, você venceu Passe amanhã e pegue o que é seu Alright, thank you kindly for tuning in I'm gonna sign us off with this track from Seiyu George Um kind of a trite but sincere honoring of the late great david bowie uh so rebel rebel cover right here in portuguese and um if you want to see all of the songs all of the track lists from every episode of surf splendor you know where to find it surfsplendorpodcast.com as well as everything that we discussed in this show thanks for tuning in uh, share the show with a friend, rate and review, all that jazz. Get this show to grow. We'll keep pumping out the content for you. All right? Until next week, this is David Scales reminding you, get out in the vast blue, catch a couple waves, and shred on. Zero a zero, você venceu Você me mole, então quem faz sou eu